1: Hello and... oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Ah, uh, Hello and oh no. <laughs> It is the end of the F1 season. We're here to talk about everything that went down in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this weekend. We're going to do another Nerds Quiz and discuss everything else that's gone on around the paddock. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We have just seen the final race of the season, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. It's been a long season, but we're here to talk you through everything that went on and more. My name is Ollie, and on the panel with me, I have Abby. How are you?
3: I'm good, thank you. I'm a bit sad now, though, because obviously the F1 season's over, so we've got to wait till the beginning of March. But how are you, Ollie?
1: I'm very well, thank you for asking. James
2: McKenzie, how are you, sir? I'm alright. Uh, I'm not as sad as I've been after former seasons. I'm kind of... I'm okay with this season ending now. It's it's felt like it's dragged on at times, but, you know, I'm still here and happy to talk
0: about it. Good. Thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> Sam, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I... I'm quite pleased that we've got to the end of the season in the sense that it's been like a so it's been a long old slog. It's been a it's been a long season, so I'm looking forward to that that rest. But it doesn't take any enjoyment out of it uh, for me. So yeah. Okay,
1: let's get into our weekend ratings. It was a weekend of sadness, happiness, joy, so many mixed emotions around the paddock. Um but guys, how would you rate the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend this week? Sam, I'll start with you. Oh,
0: it's, it's difficult because like even even the race today, it was just so like meh for a lot of it. But then it kind of came alive a bit towards the end. So I don't know, I think having F2 back was great as well, added to the whole kind of uh, element of the, the, the weekend and obviously of Logan Sargent um, and his super licence uh, situation so I'm going to give it a six um, I think Abu Dhabi's always going to struggle to be at least for fans at home this kind of climactic exciting you know crescendo to the season because it's just not the best circuit for it um, but yeah so six 6 out of 10 from Sam.
1: Uh, Abby, what would you give it and why?
3: I'm going to give it a 5.5. I mean, the weekend as a whole was all right. Obviously, like Sam said, F2 came back. And for me, that was more enjoyable than the F1. It was quite sad and sombre with Vettel obviously leaving and then the other drivers who don't ever drive next year. But the race, I think the chaos and drama of Brazil kind of has kind of hindered my opinion of Abu Dhabi, kind of. Because this wasn't that exciting compared to the Sao Paulo Grand Prix there were some exciting battles on track between Leclerc and Perez and that but it wasn't too exciting or that interesting for me
2: okay and James and yeah you guys have covered a lot of what I was going to say but it's yeah I mean it (laughs) mixed emotions it was it was okay and like you said the F2 was was good to see back Uh, if I put my Lewis hat on it's a 1 out of 10 because it was just a weekend of PTSD and and disappointment. But no, as an F1 fan, yeah, I'll give it a 6.5. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. And yeah, Brazil was always going to be a hard act to follow.
1: Yeah, I'm going to meet you there with a 6, I think. It was... um, it was a difficult weekend because we're losing so many friendly faces from the grid, such as Vettel and um, Ricardo. for now. So, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Mixed emotions. And certainly, as you said, James, I think you've hit the nail on the head. The amount of replays we had of last year was unnecessary um, <laughs> throughout the coverage this weekend. It really brought back some trauma for me. <laughs> but it was, uh, yes, a solid six for me. So we're going to get into the famous nerds quiz next and then we're going to talk about the weekend news highlights from practice and qualifying so it's that time of the week everyone's favorite time of the week uh james you confessed that this is one of the highlights of your week because you don't have quizzes in france or pub quizzes in france should i say it is the nerds quiz are you guys excited (laughs)
0: I'm just laughing at the fact, that the idea of like this 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 small group of French people huddled round like in a room, all like hush hush, and, like the police like bashing down the door because they're doing a quiz. How did you It's not even funny, but <laughs> it's yeah. a good start. <laughs> James James has James heavily implied in the <laughs> before he's recorded that he revises for these quizzes. I really um, didn't. Uh, well,
2: um, I asked it, oh, if you'd been revising,
0: which kind <laughs> which of does. Had. Had. It does. And then, does that imply that I've been revising? And then when, uh, well I made a joke of it, you uh, put me back in my place by, you
2: know, yeah, yeah,
0: right mentioning that <laughs> I want to do. Yeah, probably know more than I do. <laughs> well, um, listen, have you,
1: better. have you been revising your Belgian tyre manufacturers? Yeah, there's one. <laughs> <That's> one, <laughs> But you actually came up with an interesting little fact there, didn't you, Sam, before we started recording about uh, time manufacturers?
2: <laughs> I did. Oh, was it you, James? Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Oh, yeah. our uh, our guest at the uh, Belgian one last week was, well, <laughs> Sam said Hano- Hanuk and I said mm-hmm. Hancock and it turned out we meant Hancock and they are now potentially going to be up there warring with Pirelli for the future of F1 tires.
0: So there you go. They are. Yes. They in fact they're they're already they already have the uh, Formula E 10 10 year
1: Okay, so we had some feedback that people were missing our silly games. So um, I went on to the TikTok and saw a comment of someone suggesting a new silly game for us. So we're going to do it. Thank you to our TikTokers. Right, what we're going to do is we're going to swap the first letter of their first name with the first letter of their surname and we're doing team principles this week. So we're going to start with you, James, and there are obviously 10 team principles. Let's hope you know them all for a start. Um, But off you go. Woto (laughs) Tulf. Yeah, one.
0: Sam, sorry, is next. Oh. (laughs) So I just can't do this game. Christian Corner. (laughs) Does was an attempt at a double A. Sounds like a convenience store.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it does.
3: (laughs) Abby. Um, Batia Minotto.
2: Oh, God, it's weird how quickly you could do that. I would really struggle. Uh, James? I'm going to try and do it. Sandreas
0: Aiedel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sam's really concentrating here. Vred Fasseur.
2: Yep. Nice French accent. Um, I don't know how to do
3: it. hour.
2: D- yeah. A decent effort. Kind it? of. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh cost Japito.
0: Yeah. Trans <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> Stunt
3: <for> Um Stunthogyna. <Guyner.
2: laughs> yeah. oh wait, so have we not done we've got Aston Martin I think oh that's yeah the last Kike one. Kike <laughs> yeah the only one who's uh, known is less, less funny than, funny. than- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay um,
1: thank you to the TikTok fans for suggesting that one uh, good start is that the last one I think so yeah.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah so thank you for our TikTok fans for bringing that game uh, to life but what we're going to do now is test the nerds with the sport they claim to love. I quite like that tagline last time, so I'm going to keep it. Um, we've got 15 questions. You can work as a team to answer these questions and some of them are really difficult. Okay? <laughs> so, are you are you all ready? Yes. Yeah, but I
3: feel like I
1: should have revised for this. <laughs> Weekly revision is going to be part of uh, your, your your new agenda, Abby. Um okay. Right, let's start. Question 1. Nico Hulkenberg won the 2009 championship in which motorsport series? GP2. GP2, right? Correct. Name the driver from New Zealand of which whom Mario Andretti said if he became an undertaker, people would stop dying. Chris Amon.
2: Cuz he was incredibly <laughs> unlucky.
1: I'm impressed by the speed you answered that.
2: Um, I was Liv- revising uh, Chris Eamon because I just figured he would come up, yeah?
0: Is that right, Sam? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I apologise for suggesting that you uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm revise.
2: I'm all right,
1: carry on. Question three. Name the airline that was McLaren's livery sponsor in 2006. Fly Emirates. Correct. Here's one for Abby. Oh God.
3: I'm going to get this wrong now.
1: Question four: Name the town where Ferrari is based. I
3: want to say Maranello.
1: That's correct. Oh yay! <laughs> question four: Name the surname of the father that competed in F1 in 1987 to 1991, and the son competed. In two thousand seven to two thousand and nine.
2: Two thousand seven to two thousand nine. And what was the sorry, the first the father? When did he go? Nineteen um, eighty-seven
0: to nineteen ninety-one. Um I feel, feel I'm, like I'm, it's a is it a Japanese driver?
2: Um well yeah, I mean Nakajima was around then, but his
0: his dad was <laughs> in it for far longer. <sighs>
1: or
2: oh,
0: no, no Nakajima, Nakajima was Nico Hulkenberg's oh, no, yeah. teammate in 2010 so it's not that it can't be no, no. PK is Nakajima it's Nakajima, no, no, it's, it's Nakajima. Oh, is yeah, that your final answer that, oh, no, it's the Rosberg final. Rosberg was Hulkenberg's teammate in 2010 no, no he wasn't what are you talking about <laughs> it, <was Marikano>. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take
1: you long to yes. break Sam today did it <laughs> oh. right is Nakajima yeah, no. your final
0: answer Yes. Yeah, let's go.
1: Yes. That is correct.
0: Yeah. He replaced that. He, I, I messed up the uh the Barrichello thing but
1: <laughs> Speaking of Rosberg, uh Nico Rosberg won his first race in 2012. Which year did his father win his last race?
2: 86 I think that was. Mhm.
0: I'm going to. Go I think with that, 86 but... is a. I think 86 is a fair bet because I think. Would it be what, PK or when did when did Williams become PK Mansell? I feel like it was 87, so 86 Rosberg. In at the, for a Williams, seat that year. And I mean yeah, that 86 is definitely PK Mansell because
2: that's when. Um, oh yes, no, it was, that's yeah. when Mansell's okay. tyre blew up. Therefore, I I'd say 85. I like...
1: Hmm. 85 or 86? We'll
0: go with
1: 85. I mean, all right. Going with 85. Oh, no. That is correct. <laughs> there <Yes>. you go. <laughs> I thought you were going to get that one wrong for a minute there. I mean, the the logic was correct. I just got the year wrong. Okay. In 1997, British Grand Prix, Tyrrell displayed an advertisement on their car for which
2: popular TV show? Okay. I've got no idea. So what was popular in 97?
3: I have
0: no idea. The Teletubbies were popular. <laughs> Abby wasn't right, so born. Uh, oh, jeez. I mean, it's clearly not, or maybe it, I don't know. The fact that we don't know, it, it kind of implies that it's not like a cult livery. Like, if it yeah. was something like the Teletubbies, everyone would be like, oh, do you remember the Teletubbies? <laughs> Why would the Teletubbies be on an F1 car? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Why are cryptocurrencies on F1 cars? Well, that's another um, topic. <laughs> TV programme. The bill. <laughs>
1: it's not a police
0: car <laughs> I mean, that would be an interesting livery um,
1: would you like to pass
2: um, if it's not the bill I'm out because <laughs> that's the only show I can think of from 1997 Big Brother hadn't started yet had it Songs
0: with praise. No, that was 99. <laughs> songs uh, songs with praise. <laughs> <laughs> They're co- going for country, the Sunday crowd. Co- Countryfile, or whatever it's called. Are you what out? What year was it? 1997. 1997. <laughs> <laughs> How many years before I was born? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I'm going to say Friends. I don't know.
1: Uh, it was Xena oh. the Warrior Princess.
3: <laughs> I've never heard of that.
1: You haven't even
2: heard of it? <laughs> no. I've, I, I haven't heard of it either. Well, James, have you yeah. heard of it? I've heard of it. I never watched it. Um, I think I had a friend who liked it when I was a kid. He used
0: to be on Channel <laughs> that, old five. Che- that old chestnut.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to question number eight. Name the race in 1984 that was remembered for hot temperatures and disintegrating track surface. This race was never held again.
0: Oh, the season pass gone through. Right, so sorry, there were two answers there at the same time. You've confused me. Oh no, it was Dallas. No, it was no. I think it was Dallas.
2: You said it was far. You said it far more committedly than me. But I think I think no, it was, was
0: Dallas. It's because I feel like I on one of the podcasts. I recently edited a piece about the Vegas Grand Prix, or I edited a piece about the Vegas Grand Prix and the Caesar's Palace Grand Prix. I think it was what eighty-one to eighty-four.
2: Yeah, I think it was more than it, therefore.
0: One. Jumped it was, to wasn't mind. it the
2: one where uh, Mantle fainted as he tried to push the the car over the, the line at the end
0: oh, yeah that sounds right because it was yeah Dallas was held once it was uh, I think I was getting confused with Phoenix that was held a couple of times in the late 80s and 90s, early 90s anyway do you remember yeah, when these <laughs> do you remember when these quizzes used to be timed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, do, do you remember when I didn't feel I needed to like overcompensate by throwing extra knowledge in there
1: <laughs> so and what is man, your for me what is your final answer? Go Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Dallas. That is
0: correct. Or <laughs> we'll
1: play James
2: What is Johnny Cicotto's nationality? Venezuelan. Oh, no. Is he Colombian? I think. I mean, they are next door to each other. Yeah, so you're in the right it's... area. Was Maldonado the only Venezuelan? I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think Colombian. Is that your final answer, team? yeah go for it
1: I'm
3: yeah
2: sure. that is wrong he was Venezuelan oh, oh son of a <laughs> <laughs> I really thought Maldonado was the only one I started second guessing myself okay we're, we're
1: increasing in difficulty here who did Nelson Piquet fight with at the 1982 German
2: Grand Prix Elisio Salazar yeah correct
1: <laughs> any extra information for us
2: James <laughs> <laughs> Do I, don't, to- <laughs> I don't think he landed a punch and
0: it was quite a girly kick <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like it's I remember open, it. Yeah. Open-palmed, almost. Yeah, some of the the, the punches he was throwing. What year
1: was the tragic accident that took the life of Wolfgang von Trips and fifteen spectators?
2: I think it was nineteen sixty-one. Sam, Abby, any advance on that?
3: I'm gonna trust your answer. <laughs>
0: yeah, you were
2: minus forty.
0: <laughs> Um, It was, yeah. I think I'm conflating it with the Le Mans crash, which caused Mercedes to uh, put out. Yeah. Mm. So is 1961
1: your answer? Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. Question 12. Toro Rosso's engines in 2006 were
2: supplied by which manufacturer? So that was the first year of Toro Rosso. I think it was Ferrari. Who else could it have been? Like, it was definitely Ferrari when Seb took the win. So it was 08. Who could it have been other than that? I mean, who did they, they became that from Minardi? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't Honda. It wasn't Renault. Like, Cosworth, maybe? Could have been.
0: We'll go with your gut. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not confident enough to. So you're wrong. I feel feel like they may have had a Sauber-like arrangement where they had like a year-old Ferrari engine.
1: (laughs) Sam, this this looks to be really stressing you out today. I know. (laughs) (laughs) He's been rubbing his face for the last 10 minutes. (laughs) What is your final answer, guys? Let's go Ferrari.
0: It was Cosworth. Wrong. (laughs) What's really annoying is it's it's annoying when you get the answer. Yeah, and don't use it. one of those each now.
1: Name the pop group whose logo could be seen on the side pods of the ATS cars in 1981. This is like maximum
0: difficulty level now. (laughs) ATS. Where, where, Where were ATS from? France, I think. I mean, I might
2: um, get uh, my residency revoked here, but I don't think I know any bands from France from 1981.
0: Yeah, my 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 French 80s music knowledge is not what it could be. Um, I know, I'm struggling to think of any band from the
2: 80s at this point. Wham, Abba. Yeah, that's what I was. Duran
3: Duran.
2: Abba. Let's go, Abba. Abba.
1: Are you going, Abba? Yeah. Is that your final no, answer? No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Is correct! <laughs> oh. Yes! <laughs> Amazing. <Really. laughs> okay, right. And the final question today. Name the Serbian F1 team that unsuccessfully applied to compete in F1 in 2010 and 2011. Stefan GP? Yes. Correct! That is exactly it. And finally, question 15, name the amount of wins
2: that Toto Wolff has had whilst team principal at Mercedes. So uh, Mercedes are on like 120 something now altogether. So I guess like subtract five or 10 maybe for the 50s. I mean, if you knew this off the top of your head, I'd be a bit
1: concerned. (laughs) It's quite a difficult question to know straight away. Okay, Sam's yeah, rubbing his face it. again
0: yeah, it's right.
2: it's,
0: it says <laughs> that this can't, can't be used uh, on socials um, no um, 120
2: uh, maybe let's say 119 okay well it was close
1: oh. but it wasn't right uh, the correct answer was 114
0: All right,
1: Okay, okay. I mean very close though and what have you learned this week guys
3: that it's great having James and Sam as teammates <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They know a lot of stuff
2: <laughs> I mean I've I definitely learned that Abba won an F1 car once That's
0: that's my main takeaway from this yeah, good. My, my, my main takeaway is that Total Wolf has won 114 races as a team principal So you
1: got 11 out of 15 this week guys How are you feeling about I'm your score? Progressively worse still I mean, the qu- <laughs> the questions are getting progressively harder, let's well, yeah, be honest. That. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, That's always next <laughs> That takes us to the end of the quiz this week. Thank you very much, panel. So, there was a lot of news this weekend, a lot of things to tie up. Um, Sam and Abby, would you like to take us through what you consider to be the top three
0: of the weekend? Yes, absolutely. I'm... Um... But actually, the biggest talking point of the weekend, or at least one of them, was not an F1 topic directly. It, the action or the, the, circums- you know, the circumstances which di- would dictate this news agenda were decided in F2. And that, of course, is a really butchered way of saying that Logan Sargent had his super licence points uh, that he needed to um, earn over the weekend in order to take his seat with Williams for next season. So going in um he needed to finish you know something seventh to the lowest by our calculations um in the championship um and yeah there was obviously a, a tense um atmosphere for him had a spin in, in uh, first pra- in practice for F2 had a spin in his Fp1 session as well with Williams so clearly that was kind of you know having an effect um well I guess we'll get into what happened later on, but that was a big talking point. Will he do it? Will Mick Schumacher take the Williams seat if he doesn't? Um, And yeah, and on that, you know, one of the big talking points of the weekend was with regards to Mick Schumacher's seat. So, Abby, over to you.
3: Yeah, so Schumacher is obviously leaving F1 and Nico Hülkenberg is making his return for Haas. So it'll be Hülkenberg and Magnussen, a very strong partnership in terms of experience for the team. Hopefully they can go on an upward trajectory more so than they did this year. But what do you guys think about having Hulkenberg? Because I know a lot of people were divided over Hulkenberg coming back and getting the Haas seat.
1: Well, I think we 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 almost revealed it at the end of last week. Then we um, co- basically confirmed it on the news show. And here we are again. Um, yeah, Nico Hulkenberg's back. I think I've had a while to process it it's still not the person I'd put in the seat, but in terms of what has need, which is experience and consistency and less bills um, from crash damage, then that's probably the right person to have in the seat on reflection. Now I've had such a long time to think about the answer to that question.
0: And and apologies listeners for uh, the fact that you're having to listen to this conversation for the fourth or fifth time now, probably. Uh, So sorry for bringing that into the uh, equation. Um, just to segue slightly or pivot, um, there were other movements announced over the weekend. Um, obviously, the Daniel Ricciardo um, rumour mill was churning. And, you know, will he go to Mercedes? Will he go to Red Bull? Obviously, helmet Marco dropped accidentally before anything signed that Daniel Ricciardo will be uh, their kind of test and, and reserve driver, doing a lot of marketing duties as well. Uh, for next season, which does in theory then leave a vacancy for Mick Schumacher at Mercedes. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's all kind of working out quite nicely. Mercedes obviously bringing the Schumacher name back to the team, which is uh, an added benefit. And I think it's just a really good environment for him to be in, to be honest.
3: <laughs> also this week, the FIA and F1 also announced the F1 Academy, which is an all-female driver category, which has the aim to help develop young female drivers from karting into the feeder series of F3, F2, and ultimately get them into F1. It will consist of five teams run by current F2 and F3 teams. So like Carlin or Prima. And it will have seven events, which will have three races each. So 21 in total, which is exciting to see that they're actually making something for the women to come in, but they've already got W series. So it'll be interesting to see how The F1 Academy works alongside W Series, but the calendar for the Academy will be released soon for the races next year.
1: So this is starting next year. Now, do we think that this is a signal that W Series might not return? I mean, is there a need for another uh, all-female championship, do you guys think? So this
0: is the interesting point. People are kind of... um suggesting that by coexisting alongside each other, you know, you know, in, in a world in which W Series does come back, which obviously we hope it does, um, that they would kind of take away from each other or that they'd be in competition. I think they can actually complement each other and work alongside each other. And I think that's the key thing here. You know, the, the Academy will be F4 cars uh, from what we understand. So it will be another step that can be kind of added to the you know traditional feeder series pyramid before F3 because let's face it that is the point F4 and similar championships is the point where the the biggest the problem sets in really um with getting women into motor, into higher levels of
2: motorsport is it uh, am i right in thinking that the F1 academy is only for young drivers as well is it uh, i think there was an age limit on it so they could exist coexist in that sense as well with the older drivers still being in the w series
3: yeah i believe it was like up to the age of 21
1: is this a feeder into w series because w series are f3 cars aren't they or they're certainly based around f3 cars so this is a lower lower series compared to w series in terms of cars but then also in terms of broadcasting if this is a fia um, initiative is that going to push W Series out? Which one are we going to see on TV? Um, there's a lot of questions to answer, aren't there? Because there's 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 not enough space for another series, really.
0: It's my understanding, or at least I've seen online, that only one of the Academy events will actually be at an F1 weekend, so it will operate kind of separately in that sense.
3: Just checking on f1 socials on their post about the academy it says a new route for females to reach higher levels of racing including w series f3 f2 and f1 so i think they are hoping that some of the academy drivers will end up in w series
0: yeah it ultimately gives options right that's that's important it allows those drivers to chart their own course
3: now, not
1: necessarily news, but something we have to talk about are the drivers whose last uh, F1 weekend it was in Abu Dhabi. So, guys, let's just talk about Sebastian Vettel. I mean, he's he's really transformed as a human being. I think we we, we need to talk about our favourite and least favourite moments with, with with Sebastian Vettel. I mean, he he's played such a fundamental role in in, in our sport over the years that he's been in it. Um, we know that he's had his moments, um, through the years. I mean, seeing him and Lewis come back, um, and build a friendship after, uh, after Baku, I think is absolutely incredible. And, uh, this weekend, Seb did admit that he was wrong when he rammed the side of his car, but Seb has transformed into a, a fantastic ambassador to this sport. What, how do you guys feel about him
2: leaving and, and the, le- what will be his legacy? Cause he, he's not talking about what his legacy will be, is he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of turned into the well, one of the elder statesmen, and certainly the he seems he, he feels like the dad of the grid now. You know, obviously, particularly with drivers like Mick, uh, who's very very much been a father of figure too. But. Yeah, I mean, you know, where Fernando's still a bit too, uh, a bit too salty to be a father figure, I think, for, for certain people. And, uh, you know, Lewis kind of exists on his own plane in, in certain aspects. Although it was great to see him take the, the drivers out and suggest apparently that, that idea for that meal they went for and pick up the bill, supposedly. Although it wasn't the one that people seem to think it was on Twitter.
1: I was gonna say yes. Yeah, so there there were rumors
2: that it was a hundred and forty thousand pounds bill. Um,
1: but the, the 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 receipts that was floating around social media had lots of alcohol on it. And I mean lots of alcohol on it, and only fourteen people at the meal. So I'm sorry guys, that's debunked.
2: Yeah. Uh but yeah, as, as for Seb, I mean, he'll be remembered he's as one of the best. Obviously, he's he's had his ups and downs in his career, but he, he End of the day, he's a four time world champion. He's got the third most wins of any driver in history. And he's ended his career is incredibly popular. So, you know, I think he's in a pretty good place.
0: Sam, do you feel like there's going to be a hole in the grid next season without Vettel there? Yes and no. I think whenever someone steps away, someone inevitably steps up. But will they do it with the. Um, the grace that Vettel has has displayed over the last few years, I don't know. I, I, I like to think that Alonso would maybe start stepping towards that kind of role. Um, but again, you just don't know. Um, I think it's right that Sebastian doesn't uh, try and dictate what his legacy is. I think it's not necessarily for someone to decide themselves. Um, and when it comes to his my my favorite moments of Vessel, they are actually the, the moments that I hated the most at the time. That four-year run of dominance, as a as a Hamilton fan, I, no, didn't like it. Obviously, no, um, didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, eloquently put myself <laughs> yeah. there. Um, but looking back on it, it was just like that nine-race slate in 2013 is just ridiculous. Looking looking back now. So yeah, that, that was that was brilliant. Um, and, and yeah, I think he's grown into something larger than the sport. Um, and he, he transcends that. And I think for, for that reason, it's the right time for him to go. And he's going on his own terms. He could have stayed. He wasn't forced out. Um, and I think that's important for someone who has the stature he does within the, the racing community.
1: And there are three other drivers leaving the grid this year. That's um, Mick Schumacher, Daniel Ricciardo, for now, we keep saying. And also Nicholas Latifi. Abby, what are your thoughts on on those other three that are leaving? And um, which one are you going to miss the most?
3: <laughs> I'm definitely going to miss Ricciardo the most. Um, it is sad to see him go. He's had a couple of tough years with McLaren. I think he said after the race today to Sky that he needs this time a way to kind of find a piece of himself because looking back at his time at McLaren, it has been quite frustrating and disappointing for him. With Mick, I'm sad to see him go because I feel like his career is only just getting started. But I do think having a year out or two, maybe as a reserve driver, just taking some time to learn off track rather than being straight in an F1 car and having to perform and maybe having the pressure of his name to perform as well. I think just having some time, time away will be good for him. Latifi, he's tried his hardest in his career and it's just, I don't think F1 is for him anymore. There are loads of rookies from F2 and F3 that are performing so well. I mean, Sargent's coming into Latifi's seat. It'll be interesting to see how Sargent performs compared to Latifi, but I'm sure Latifi will be missed, but I feel like it's the right time for him to go.
1: And do you think with all this new talent coming through, do you, do you think there is going to be space for Ricardo to come back or even Mick to come back? You know, there, there, there's time is is very valuable in an F1 seat, and there is so much talent ready to come into F1. Sam, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think the, the out of the four drivers leaving the grid at the end of the year, the most likely to race in F1 again is actually still Sebastian Vettel. Um, I think that that's a hot take. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but Ricardo, I think he will have a year with Red Bull. I don't think he'll take that seat in 2024. And I think he will just kind of step away slowly over time um, and do guest appearances for a while in other series, IndyCar, NASCAR maybe. Um, And then he will either go that way or decide to go a different Non racing route, um, Mick. Unfortunately, I think I think it's been a difficult two years for him. Twenty twenty one completely. Un- you know, the car was. You just can't really prove anything, especially when you're not to be overly harsh about Mazepin. When your teammate is just not good enough for Formula One. It's just not up to the, the quality of Formula One. It's really difficult to to have a benchmark, and I think he's then had to adjust to that this year with Magnussen. Um, And obviously I know that opinions divided on actually how strong he has been compared to to Magnussen. Um, But I think he will be trying to keep his career alive for the next couple of years and hope of maybe getting the Audi seat. Um, But he's not going to step into the Mercedes role if Lewis retire, unless he performs brilliantly in a reserve role there. I think ultimately the name has maybe been too much for him. And moving on to Latifi, I think history will remember him less favourably than is fair. I think events have di- will dictate how people will remember him, not necessarily that he was in a Williams at a very difficult point um, in that team's, you know, storied involvement in Formula One. And he was also up against a, what I imagine will be proven to be a generational talent in George Russell it's you know it's it's difficult and you know this season I think Alex Albon again is another underrated driver and last season everything that happened at Abu Dhabi I think has had a, an effect so yeah I think whether or not Latifi would have got a drive in F1 to begin with without money obviously debatable but this is how most sport works at these levels so yeah I, I don't think any of those three will be back yeah I mean on
1: Latifi, you know he's had some awful press um but he's still one of the best in the one of the best drivers in the world um unfortunately you know he 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 hasn't scored many points in his time he's he's had 13 retirements um he's scored nine points his best finish was 7th um and his best qualifying was 10th um they're, they're not stats to to, to impress but um I, I believe F1 will
2: always remember Latifi yeah, it's it's an interesting point you make. I mean, yeah, he will probably remember, if nothing else, for the crash last year, unfortunately, just because it was one of F1's biggest ever moments. Uh, but yeah, I mean, however you spin it, he's been, at worst, the 20th best Formula One driver in the world over the last few years. Often not that and how many other professions would you be the 20th best in the world at something and be openly mocked constantly he was the 20th best footballer in the world he'd be you know the the ballon d'or ceremony like getting potentially
0: nominated yeah. it's it's the incredibly harsh world of F1 i i think the thing that really bothers me about latifi is seeing him being reduced to a meme and mm. that's ultimately and that, it's the it's the age we live in right it's social media um and I'm sure I've used the phrase go you before. Um, I know people on this panel have, right? Everyone's done it. But over time, as and I think it, probably that that crossover point was last year in Abu Dhabi, when it just stopped being funny. Um, when the the hatred and the visceral reaction to an innocent error, you know, drivers crash, it happens he wasn't also he wasn't alone in that incident it wasn't like he just it was a complete unforced error OK, well, before we move on, let's just um,
1: let's just remember some of the highlights from Sebastian Vettel's career, because he, he will be certainly missed. Um, he had 57 pole positions, 122 podiums, 53 wins and four world championships. It was an incredible career. So thank you, Sebastian Vettel, from everyone at the Formula Nerds for everything that you've done. So let's move on to some of the weekend action. Uh, James, would you like to take us through some of the highlights from the practice sessions?
2: Well, yeah, has, has been the case for the past few weekends, really. There were plenty of new faces or newer faces in FP1 and they performed better than they had done. I mean, we saw in the more recent FP1 sessions with the young drivers that generally they were stuck on hard tyres and just pulled round, picking up mileage and ending up 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th and 20th in the timings. Uh, yeah, we had a bit more of a competitive showing. We had Liam Lawson up in fifth in FP1, only a, a couple of tenths off Sergio in the other Red Bull. who's was filling in, in Max's seat, which is a great showing. And Robert Schwartzman in the Ferrari in seventh as well. Uh, and it started, it looked like it could be another great weekend for Mercedes. Carrying on from Brazil, they got a 1-2 in FP1, but that wasn't how it would prove to be. The the truer picture started to appear in FP2. Max got into the car and immediately laid down a marker, having missed the first practice session. He was three and a half tenths clear in FP2, although it was still George Russell in second, uh, with Charles Leclerc third and Lewis Hamilton in fourth, and then into FP3. And again, a less representative session, potentially, with uh, the time of day, but it was nonetheless a Red Bull 1-2. Perez heading this one, though, with the mercedes three and four. Uh, and it wasn't all plain sailing for Lewis though. So, he was under investigation for a potential infringement for passing Kevin Magnussen and Lando Norris under a red flag late in the session. But that was all cleared just as we went into qualifying. Uh, with yeah, Basically he was on a flying lap and the other two were going slowly and it would have been unsafe to stop before passing them. Guys, that was really weird,
1: and it baffled the the Sky Pundits over what what colour the flags were, who was waving what around the circuit. Um, Karun Chandok even said they don't wave flags in Abu Dhabi, which Crofty quickly said, uh, yes, they do, there's one just there, mate. Um, <laughs> there was massive confusion over what side of the board was what colour. It seemed like a bit of a mess when I was watching that session. I thought it took quite a long time to announce the result of whether he was going to get some sort of penalty or not, but in the end, he didn't, so... We don't need to talk about it. But yeah, sensible work from the FIA. Abby, would you like to run us through what happened in qualifying?
3: Yes. So it was the final se- qualifying session of the season and Q1 saw a very frustrated Fernando Alonso as his fastest lap only put him 12th and he came back into the garage expressing over the radio his anger with the team. However, Vettel's flying lap put him fifth, making him go through into Q2. But there was a close call between the two Mercedes and a Red Bull, as a Red Bull was going rather slowly in the middle of the track, forcing the Mercedes, who I believe it was Hamilton and then Russell behind. And Russell was getting the slipstream from Lewis, but they both had to divert either side of the Red Bull because... Well, to avoid a collision, basically. So out in Q1, it was Magnussen, Gasly, Bottas, Albon and Latifi. Q2, Mercedes initially came out on used tyres, but then came out on new softs as well, making them go through into Q3. And we also saw Vettel complain over the radio about a Red Bull on the final corner for the third time going rather slowly, getting in his way as he was completing his lap. But Ferrari showed pace and so did Lando Norris. And it was Alonso, Sonoda, Schumacher, Stroll and Joe who went out in Q2. And then for Q3, it was a battle for pole, but it was Verstappen who put it on provisional pole. But his lap, it looked like he exceeded track limits, which I think he did. But nothing came about from that. Verstappen then completed another lap, going even faster, securing pole position. And then it was Sergio Perez in P2 as well. But there was a clip that came out on Twitter about Verstappen and Hamilton. And there was some traffic and Hamilton was behind Verstappen. And then something interesting happened. Sam, do you want to go into more detail about that?
0: Sam wrote a cracking article about this, didn't you?
3: (laughs) yeah i mean
0: it's i mean maybe not my my finest moment in journalism but um yes um coming to the third sector um or in, in the third sector rather obviously we know that lots of games get played uh in qualifying and everyone started queuing up verstappen is being overtaken lewis is right behind him verstappen can be heard on the radio saying you know this is unbelievable yeah, kind of. and uh gp can be heard saying you know, let them play games, you know, let them mess around or you know, something similar. So then you know, they let everyone go. They come into the final corner. Lewis is still behind Max, at which point Max is not dawdling because he's waiting for a, a gap so he can start his push lap. But Lewis decides to break this kind of you know, gentleman's agreement that you don't overtake, you know, especially in the last sector on a warm up lap, and goes around Max. And all the while, Max's eyes are trained on his wing mirror. And he's clearly watching Hamilton. And as Hamilton moves to go around, Max just nudges his car slightly in, in the path of the Mercedes. Not 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 really in the path, but towards the Mercedes. Yeah, they didn't, ultimately didn't come to blows. It was an interesting incident. I think it looks worse than it maybe was. It's obviously not great, but, you know, could that be part of, speaking of Sebastian Vettel's le- legacy, did Baku 2017 kind of embolden drivers to to do stuff like that I don't know maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here yeah I, I don't think so I mean
2: it was an instinctive thing I would imagine Max's like subconscious whatever is driving him at that moment is to stop Lewis getting past I don't think he's trying to hit him but he has so much more to lose either way uh, he has so much more to lose in that situation if, if he hits Lewis uh, he's the one expected to get pole and yeah it doesn't make any sense to do that it was chaos in those final two corners, and part awesome. part of that was because the Red Bulls were going incredibly slowly because they, that was the, their need for their tire warm up for these for this specific circuit. As we, you know, as Abby already mentioned, they they were getting in everyone's way, and the Mercedes was the other end of the scale. They they were they couldn't heat up their tires enough, so obviously Lewis had to go for it, or he would have had a horrible flying lap after it was all very messy and I still think the, the FI needs to do something about the fact that there are such divergent warm-up times in the before a flying lap because mm. it's dangerous
3: it is and I think for me looking at the footage that F1 shared it I don't think Max was trying to crash into Lewis but it kind of made me think that there's this element of Max this aggressiveness that I had hoped was disappearing it kind of echoed 2021 for me where he was just quite aggressive towards Lewis in his manoeuvres. But like you say, James, there was, that track was so busy at that point with so much traffic that the FIA needs to do something.
1: Yes. Well, you can go and watch that footage on www.formulaneros.com and you can see what Sam had to say. Um, But let's continue through qualifying, Abby.
3: Yes. So after that, Verstappen was on pole and it was Perez in second, which meant he was ahead of Leclerc in third, which was good because coming into this weekend, both of them were on the same amount of points heading into the Grand Prix in the championship. And then Science was fourth, and then it was Hamilton and Russell in fifth and sixth, which meant that it was the first time that the top three teams have lined up two by two by two for a Grand Prix. And then it was Norris and then Ocon and Vettel and Ricardo rounding out the top 10. But Ricardo did have a three place grid penalty following his collision with Magnussen in Brazil. So he started 13th, bumping Alonso up to 10th.
1: Abby, I'm gutted there wasn't a Noah's Ark joke there, but. um, Oh, yeah. I was
0: was about to say Noah would have been so proud. (laughs) Um, RIP Noah, he would have loved this. So that was uh,
1: qualifying. Any any final thoughts on that guys?
2: Uh, I thought Sebastian Vettel did pretty well in qualifying. Yeah, that was that was a great performance for his his final of qualifying. Absolutely. It was it was really good to see you know that Seb is very best over one lap and we you know that used to be maybe his strongest suit, you know, he would just stick it on pole and then keep it 2 seconds ahead of everyone else in in that dominant period that Sam mentioned earlier. Okay. Well, that was
1: um the track action leading up until the race. It's the time of the week where we go into the world-famous National Anthem Review. Okay, so the National Anthem Review for the last time of the year. I think what we're going to need to do, guys, is go back through all of our ratings over this year and select the one that we love the most, because I can't remember what it was. Um, We've had some terrible ones. There have been better ones. There have been ones that Sam compares to Disney films, and even James does as well. But this one, an observation I made when planning this show was that it was exactly identical to last year, um, the way that the Emirates ladies were all holding the flag, the music was the same recording, and the, the planes went over at exactly the same time. So, Sam, what was your review and your score out of 10 for this national anthem?
0: Well, for starters, I'm, I'm just amazed that, I mean, to have an observation like that off the top of your head, how do you retain that kind of information? What, that it was the same as last year. Yeah. No, I didn't. I mean, aside from the fact that obviously the national anthem hasn't changed. Like... Yeah,
1: but, well, apart from that, uh, it's because when I was looking for the clip to insert into the show, um, I clicked the wrong one, and it was. I thought it was the right one that I'd seen <laughs> oh, okay. an hour earlier. Um, but they're, yeah, they're the same. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, it was fine. <laughs> like, it was. You know what? The bit that did annoy me a little bit was the, was was the was the jet show the. Uh, the plane kind of flight the plane flying overhead because it wasn't as special as it could be because they do that at the start of every race like so you, I, I'd, I'd seen that twice already for the F2 races so it's you know kind of it wasn't as kind of climactic as it could have been do uh, you mean they, did they 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 did that throughout the weekend is that what you mean yeah exactly yeah right yeah i mean i'd seen countless photos on instagram prior to that um so yeah Knew that I was knew that that was going to come. Um, the the anthem was fine. Could have had some lyrics, um, but yeah, it was it was all right. The the Seb tribute was quite touching. That was quite nice. Um, but again, kind of outside the remit of the the, the anthem, maybe I don't know. The yeah, yeah, that's yeah. outside of the national anthem um, remit. I mean, I, I feel like I'm really stalling here. Like it was like a five out of ten. It was like yeah, it's fine. Well, that's higher than a lot you've given Sam. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't so bad that it was um, that it, it wasn't so bad it lost points or, or gained points for being bad. It was just very yeah, it was fine. It, it had was someone okay. playing a CD, wasn't it, James? Yeah, I mean, five is is right. It's you know, I've
2: said I like it when they mix it up. Uh, obviously, that is harder to do when your anthem doesn't have lyrics and there's no vocal element to to mess about with. But yeah, it was. It was okay. There was no performance. It was clicking play on a recording. One thing I will note though is what has happened to the ban on on fly passes? Has as if i just abandoned that. Because it was definitely supposed to be banned. And yeah, then there, there was, was kind of they were gonna make special dispensation for I think Silverstone and Monza. And now it just seems like everyone's doing it again.
1: Yeah, I mean you can't you can't make an exception for one country but not the other. Um, that seems ridiculous. But yeah, I remember that. I remember that coming out.
0: No idea is the answer. In fairness, how much involvement does Formula One have in the logistical planning for for that? Because let's face it, if if you're going to do a, an air show, how are you going to stop that? You can't stop that. If you see planes coming, what are you going to do? Jump off and be like, no, no, no. no, right. Like, right. <laughs> land, land. Yeah, like, you've just got to let it happen. So I don't know if there's an element of that. Okay,
1: small small correction. Their national anthem does have lyrics, but they chose not to there you go. Not to use them. I, oh, I had to I'm, Google I that.
2: downgrade it to a four. Oh, it's downgraded. Okay. wasn't All a right. complete anthem.
1: No, it wasn't. It was half. So now it should be out of five. Um, Abby. Um...
3: I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10, because it was quite upbeat. It didn't go on for too long. It was quite short. Um, but I did miss seeing Danny Rick Dance, because throughout other national anthems, he's been standing there bopping along to them, but I didn't get to see him this time.
0: Then you'll be missed because of that. But actually, I quite like the it was short and sweet. It didn't oversell it. No, the last, last week was really long, if I remember correctly. It, yeah, it knew that it plays a bigger role in the podcast than it does in our podcast than it does the actual uh, event well, <laughs> yeah we, how long have we sat talking about it um, well
1: so long. I've, Sam I've given you the lyrics if you want to read them okay I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 I liked it um, they've taken away the bad singers they've got the music playing so we can hear it um, and I think they've taken aboard quite a lot of our feedback but we're going to we're going to give some more feedback. If your country has lyrics to your national anthem use them.
0: Oh on the off season shows could we maybe get James to pick out a flag at random and then we review that national anthem.
1: That that's an idea. Yeah. By street. sure. <laughs> okay, it's that time of the week where we get to review the race. Um it wasn't the greatest track action. Um but there was a lot of overtaking, and I did hear a stat that this year there has, well, prior to this Grand Prix, there has been twenty-five uh, percent more overtakes in this era of F one. Um, some of the tracks had something like over two hundred percent more overtaking. Guys, as a whole, do you feel like that, that's representative? Twenty-five um, percent more overtaking this year? I would have thought it was. It should have been
0: higher based on what we were sold. I think that's about right I don't want to be a Debbie Downer but more overtakes doesn't necessarily equate to better racing yes but I think a 25% increase is probably you know 25 to 50% obviously that's quite a big swing but like you don't want two, you know, 200% overtakes at a more overtake a ball circuit would be ridiculous um, so yeah it's quantity, quality over quantity, I think is important.
1: Now, I did wonder when they said, right, some of them have been over 100%, 200%. I was like, right, well, which which
2: ones have brought those percentages down to 25%? James, do you know? So you're asking me which are the less overtakable circuits? Yeah, that's a f- coin Sam's phrase.
1: Well, the, the, the circuits that had less overtaking than last year, I think is
2: what I was trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. It's it's been nice, if nothing else, seeing them not immediately start sliding about as soon as they got to about one and a half seconds behind. That's been, yeah, as, as Sam said, it's not all about overtakes. Someone following within one second and not quite getting there on certain, yeah, the not quite so easy to overtake on circuits is is good to see. That's the main thing.
0: I mean, you kind of need to find the balance, right? Because you don't want it to make, you don't want circuits where it's easy to overtake that it just is so ridiculous. You know, Martin Ronald made the quite an astute point in the commentary that at points, overtaking moves are happening halfway up a straight. You want them to be battling into the corner. So sometimes DRS has become too overpowered with the cars um, changing for this season. So there there are things that you need to address at each race. I think you need to look at each circuit in in isolation and work out exactly what you need to do there to produce better racing. Um using DRS obviously because you can't change the cars from race to race
1: I did find out this weekend that DRS is going to be activated after one lap of a race rather than two Abby what are your thoughts on that do you think that's a good thing personally I think the first few laps are exciting enough anyway without needing DRS
3: yeah I think in a lot of races this season we've seen some very chaotic and dramatic opening laps without DRS I think because it is the opening stages of a race everyone is fighting a lot harder going into turn one. Everything is just heightened. I feel like at the moment, I think it's fine activating DRS where it is now. I don't think you need to activate it any earlier because like Sam said, sometimes overtakes in that drivers become like they rely on DRS too much to do that. And I think that can sometimes hinder the action in a race if you're just like getting in the
1: slipstream,
3: then getting
1: DRS and going past. Mm. Um, yeah. And also, if you activate DRS too early, you're going to have 20, well,
2: 19 cars with DRS, right? It's not going to really work. Yeah, just one big DRS train for the entire race. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think it, it would maybe work better in rolling restarts. So at the end of safety cars, something like that. Because the people's spread is bigger from that compared to a standing start.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about this race. At Lights Out, we did see some lap one drama. Um, it was yet again with Lewis Hamilton. James, you want to talk us through
2: it? Well, yeah, uh, the Mercedes got front starts. Lewis made up a, a place, getting ahead of Carlos in science into the first corner, whilst George fell behind Lando Norris. And yeah, then it was all very similar, eerily similar to last year. At the end of the first straight, there was a car coming down the inside of Lewis, which was Carlos, and... Lewis ended up off the road, running over the, well, cutting the chicane. Basically, having yeah been run out of road. If you if you think that's the case, we'll come to that. Uh, and rejoined ahead. And then there was uh, a period where first Carlos was investigated for whether he had forced Lewis off, and then Lewis was investigated for having gained an advantage. So Mercedes decided, it would appear, to. Lewis to let Carlos back through before that decision was made we think Uh, I'm not 100% sure that's the way it came across in the broadcast at least Lewis dropped back Carlos went ahead of him and then the, the decision which was no further action appeared now whether that was because Mercedes cut a deal with the FIA you know with the stewards or whether they in fact should have just held out and left Lewis ahead and that would have been the decision anyway we can't be sure at least now
1: and by cut a deal, you don't mean chucked him a few quid. You mean um, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. You've given the position back. Matters closed. Um, yeah. Uh, Abby, how did you take this? I mean, it 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 was a it was the same situation as last year, or at least it looked like it, but treated differently.
3: Yeah. Initially, when I was watching it, I thought that science did force Lewis wide, but then Lewis obviously did gain an advantage uh, because he obviously went off the track and came on before Carlos. But the way that Lewis went up in the air and then slammed back down on the ground, I thought that his race was going to be over them because of the damage that the car would have sustained and also the shock through his body when he hit the ground as well. But thankfully he didn't. But yeah, I was a bit confused as to whether the no investigation for Mercedes was because they had decided to give the place back or whether that was just the stewards' result.
1: Yeah. So all four wheels were off the ground. It was a, it was a big impact. Now it's, what I found strange was that Lewis Hamilton was on the back of Leclerc. He was way off in the distance almost, um, and then had to really slow back down. It looked like it really painful, took too long to sort that
2: out. Well, yeah, I mean, it was very similar to Max. I think Carlos left Lewis a little bit more room than Max did last year. Uh there, was, there, there wasn't a car's width, but there was, you know, maybe a half or a third of a car's width. He didn't go right to the white line. Equally, Lewis couldn't exist on that. He would have been on the kerbs, bouncing over, potentially coming back in, crashing into the car behind. So it was probably the right thing to go over the runoff, whatever you think about whether he should have then immediately given it back. Most drivers, I think, in that situation are probably going to, you know, when it's a borderline call, they're not going to give the place immediately back. I think my bigger point is why is that sausage curb or whatever it was that Lewis bounced over there? Because oh well, yeah, okay, you dissuade people from cussing the chicane, but then people who are innocently forced out—it wasn't like Lewis went, okay, yeah, cool, I, I can't be bothered with this corner. That it was the right course of action because he would have been trying to get back onto the track, bouncing over a curb with whatever you know who's coming, and it's a potentially like Abby said it could cause an injury we've seen that enough times recently in F2 and and in the W series i just don't understand why it's there make bollards or something to slow them down but don't have these things that launch the cards in the air it's ridiculous
1: yeah you're right i mean abby Eaton broke her back on one of these curbs um in uh, circuit of the americas and yeah i'm looking at where it's placed it obviously it's there to to detract from going over it but you just, i think abu dhabi's lacking a bit of gravel
0: was that sausage curb there last year? I wondered
2: that. I, I was like, well, obviously Lewis didn't bounce over anything last year. So have they added it or did he just go across a different bit of track? Because it didn't, on the replays, it didn't look obvious. It wasn't, you know, one of those massive orange sausage curbs. He, it just seemed like he bounced over something that we could barely see.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was more of a racing incident than last year. Um, on, on both sides of it, right? I thought last year, Max didn't give... Lewis ample space but also I do think Lewis did gain an advantage and I think it was understandable that Red Bull fans or Stappen fans felt that he should have given that place back in that scenario I think ultimately they cancelled each other out and you know he went on with the rest of the race and this year though Sainz would have made the corner he did make the corner but he also didn't give Lewis space but then also that's not necessarily on him because he was he had the inside line he was more than alongside Lewis. That is then on Lewis to find an alternative to that situation to avoid a crash. Um, So yeah, I think what eventually happened was fine, but there was a bit of confusion, as we've said, over whether or not um, teams would be asked to give places back this year. It was obviously the understanding that they wouldn't be. And then kind of what transpired in between, we don't know. So yeah, bit of a bit of a knob one.
2: And then the strange thing was that, obviously, yeah, Lewis was immediately on the back of Charles, like Oli said, dropped back, let Carlos past him, immediately repassed, flew forwards for about a lap, got a, a second and a half away, and then suddenly his pace fell off a cliff.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Mercedes was really strange throughout this race. It was it was confusing. Uh, uh, is there damage? Is there not damage? Uh, Mercedes were obviously saying there wasn't damage, and then they seemed to have changed their mind. Then Lewis was having some issues with his battery because he'd used it all. I mean, it was really difficult to understand, right, is the Mercedes actually competitive this weekend, or what, what's going on here? Because um, it really looked like it was going to be a battle between Red Bull and Mercedes at that stage, didn't it? Whereas it certainly didn't turn out that way.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the things with, with the W13, is you don't know if it's going to be competitive session to session, let alone race to race. You know, And even sometimes within sessions, that performance changes. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it, at that stage of the race, I've you could have bet that Russell would then dispense of of science and the two of them would then work their way towards Leclerc and then through Leclerc to the Red Bulls. But yeah, right, rightly as you mentioned, it didn't work out like that, and Lewis started to fall back. George came through, but he ultimately still lacked that that kind of killer pace that we were were expecting at that point of the Grand Prix. So I saw Toto after the
2: race saying that they killed their tyres, which is so unlike Mercedes to kill their tyres before the competition. That's been their you know their one real pro this year is that they've made them last. To their detriment in qualifying. So I don't know what it was about the start of this race that meant them that made them seemingly just destroy the tires immediately. But yeah, I mean, I think Lewis in the interview I saw after the race said there was an issue from that uh yeah, from bouncing over the curb. I'm not he it he said it, it broke something that shifted his bias, and then that could only be fixed. At the pit stop, which is why he then suddenly regained his pace because they gave him a, a couple of turns of wing. So that's, that's a kind of a bit of one mystery solved. But yeah, overall, still pretty confusing.
1: So that was looking good, but he had uh, heavy tire wear. And um, Charles Leclerc just looked like he was there, thereabouts. What were your thoughts?
3: They were very, they had the pace today. I was quite pleased with their performance. I think. I was more worried about like bad strategy calls from Ferrari, as we've seen throughout this season. And it was a big weekend for Leclerc. Obviously, he was fighting for P2 in the championship with Perez, but he managed to hold on to P2. And Science managed to claw through the field when he, after his pit stops and that. It was a strong performance for them. They were definitely battling the Red Bulls or Perez's Red Bull max was just racing off into the distance as usual but it was a very positive performance from them they definitely seem to have that pace that they have lacked in previous races.
1: Okay and all the talk was really on um, Sebastian Vettel this weekend obviously um, they went for a one-stop what did you guys make of that?
0: Well for them it was the Bronco. You know for whatever reasons they couldn't make that tyre last uh, in the same way Again, it's easy when you're when you're further up. You've got kind of less dirty air. You've got fewer cars around you. Um, but Vettel was just starting to fall back as those around him were making pit stops. You know, starting to kind of work their way back through. So yeah, it was it was disappointing. You kind of wonder what his race would have been like had he been on two stop because Stroll made the, the two stop strategy work. I think, yeah, it
2: clearly didn't work. Um, The fact that Lance has ended up ahead of him when it looked like Seb was going to be fighting for best of the rest, it's a shame. But yeah, I mean, clearly the one stop, I think was, it looked like it was set to be the the right decision for Lewis, uh, where he ended up anyway. But yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't work for Seb.
0: And it's particularly disappointing in that case because in the early stages, he had some good action with Ocon and obviously it was in an Alpine sandwich. So you kind of thought you know what, this could be a race-long kind of, you know, tussle. This could be this could be interesting. And, you know, ultimately he fell back. So we were kind of deprived of that in his last race. It would have been a very fitting battle, him and Fernando
2: in his final race, yeah.
0: Oh, yes. I, I, I was fully expecting that Vettel would try and overtake Ocon and Ocon would, like, make a mistake and take Vettel out and Fernando would be behind absolutely furious... <laughs> having <laughs> tried to like chaperone Vettel through the race. Uh, but yeah. Um. Yeah. So
1: Alonso did say he was going to take care of uh, Vettel through this race, but he retired again, uh, his sixth retirement of this season um, with a water leak, which apparently he's, he's had a few times uh, with this car and, um, Again, when I was when I was pl- doing this research for this show, I came across something that I just found mad. Um, Alonso, he's had 355 race starts, right? And he's had 73 retirements.
0: That's a huge amount of retirements, isn't it? It just doesn't seem to get any better for the guy. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one this year for him with the Alpine. It's kind of, he's, he's leaving them, it's somewhat poetic in the way that he's leaving them with a the retirement because he has had the lion's share of bad luck in that team. It kind of reminds me of, it's not quite the same kind of comparison, but do you remember in 2008 when Kimi was then, they changed his chassis midway through the year at Ferrari and it was all tied to them them courting Alonso for 2010. They changed his chassis and his form was just totally off and he just couldn't kind of, you know, clearly felt like he was in a different car to Massa for the rest of the year. It almost feels a little bit like that. For Alonso and Ocon, and in fact, Alonso's kind of implied that points that you know why am I getting all the bad luck, and that has ultimately led led to Ocon beating him in the championships. When let's face it, Fernando's had the better year. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's not been
1: great. Um, we saw some pit stop. Any, anything to call out from the pit stops, guys? Uh, Russell
3: yes. and yeah. Norris had a close call because Russell had an unsafe release in, into Norris's part and then ended up with a five-second time penalty, which he then did serve at a later, spit, later pit stop at towards the end of the race.
0: Spit stop? Were you going to say there, Abby?
3: <laughs> pit
0: stop. <laughs> spit pop. <laughs> oh, we just we should not do this game with just random words. Um. So yeah, that wasn't
1: good. I mean, uh, apparently, when Russell was coming out, he said, "Yeah, yeah, I knew he was there. I saw him." It was it was an unsafe release, wasn't it? There's no there's, there's no challenging that. I found that
2: quite funny actually George was like yeah I saw him Don't. yeah no worries like or like, yeah you saw him but Lando didn't hit you like there's nothing George could have done in that situation he was like yeah you saw him piling into the side of you like that was an obvious tactic for don't give me a penalty please I knew it yeah, was there I was yeah. managing it yeah
0: <laughs> but, but it makes it worse they're I like so you saw that you shouldn't be doing this and you did it anyway mate like yeah
1: yeah, he, he, I mean, you, an not, F1 car—you cannot see who's coming down the pit lane um, until seconds before, and especially that angle, you're not going to be able to see him. So, yeah, that was that was quite amusing. Um, and we saw a very sad incident. Um, we were all wondering, and I, I'm not—I'm not meaning to be unkind here—but we were wondering if Latifi was going to have some sort of accident throughout this race.
0: Um, he did, but he—he he didn't cause it, did he? Oh, this is, again, more poetic justice uh, on top of Alonso's uh, race. Yeah, so going into turn five, Schumacher is quite a way back, clearly misjudges the distance or how long his nose is. Um, and yeah, just kind of nudges Latifi round, and they kind of do this lovely synchronised spin uh, as they pirouette. Um, so not Latifi's fault in any way, but... As the Has Twitter account did, kind of, kind of tongue in cheek, point out that Tifi and Schumacher coming together at Abu Dhabi is somewhat familiar. Um, so yeah, that was a shame. I think it was uh, not the way he would have wanted to end his last Grand Prix, but kind of what you. It wasn't great for Mick to to end his career at this for, so far with an incident like that where he just kind of just got it all wrong
2: yeah well, it was yeah, their their version of donuts really wasn't it to to send themselves off in Abu Dhabi that that little synchronized <laughs> <That's brutal>. spin <laughs> I mean, that yeah, was pretty brutal a, a little harsh, but, <laughs> but kind of fitting in in its own way yeah
0: it was a bit of a silly one it's like you know when someone delivers bad news but like in a really nice way and you like kind of thank them for it yeah, I mean, it was like an nail in a coffin for Mick's career. Really,
1: of all the times you really want to to show your your class, it's it's going to be this evening. Abby, do you have any other takes on this incident?
3: It it was a shame for both of them. I was glad to see them continue the race and actually get to the end, but it it almost seemed like it was rehearsed because of how in sync their cars were when they spun and then went into the wall. It was like it was like a perfect crash in a way that it was just so synchronised. but um, Perfect crash.
0: I've never heard that one before. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Nelson Piquet Jr. eat your heart <laughs> out. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> but no, it was a shame to see both of them do that at Abu Dhabi.
1: Yeah. And I think what, what rubbed salt in the wounds as well was Sky showing the replay so many times in slow motion. There was no need for that at all.
2: So yes, uh, that was that crash. Um, James, it ended his race, didn't it? I'm not sure if that specifically did, but his race certainly ended. Uh, I think it was a a few laps laps later, whether it was from damage from where he went into the wall or not. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't seen that yet, but he did very quietly retire, um, as did, less quietly, Lewis Hamilton. And they ended up, I think, both pulling into the pits at the end of the, well, 54, was it? Fifty-fourth lap. Yeah,
1: I mean Lewis didn't seem particularly happy about this. In fact, it it was just a all-round bad day for Lewis Hamilton, wasn't it? And and it was almost just the icing on the cake. He didn't want that strategy. He he was saying all the way through, "Don't leave me out on a one-stop. Are you pitting me yet? Is it too late to pit?" And then that comes along. It was just
0: it was almost inevitable. Yeah, I mean, he was coming on the radio with a, only a few laps to go, still complaining about being put on a one stop, which he'd, to his credit, said early on, don't, don't leave me on a one stop. But at that point, you kind of, I was a bit like, mate, just get on with it. Like, the decision's been made. Like, it's too late now. You've just got to try and get the best out of this situation. And obviously, this is before he retired. Um, so, yeah, it was a really flat way for him to end a, a year that has been. An overwhelming disappointment.
2: Equally, we kind of question Charles for not questioning strategies when they're not great. So, I mean, I, we've seen Lewis make calls in the past that have won him races when it was against the team, like Turkey, uh, I think was it? Yeah, but, yeah, when he won the yeah, world uh, championship. Yeah, yeah. Which, obviously, yeah. I mean, well, it's easy to say get on with it and I think it was probably a, a 50-50 call looking back at it even with hindsight whether
0: the one or two stop was better so yeah he, he did get on with it in the end yeah I mean, what I more meant is uh, at that point once the decision has been made and you're five laps from home at that point get on with it because it's too late to then come in for a second right, yeah, stop yeah. at the time if, if he you know there should, could have been more conversation he could have said like actually you know, really, I really I, I really do think we need to move to a two stop here But a a, a moment at that point, there's
2: no point, kind of. Yeah, um, that will probably emerge in the coming days, won't it? Exactly how the all the discussion went exactly. Yeah, or maybe, maybe people won't bother looking it up because it didn't matter.
1: Uh, A lot of the talk was over uh, Leclerc and Perez, who was going to secure P2 in the championship. It seemed like Ferrari may have pulled off a genius bluff um, in order to secure that place for Leclerc. Perez wasn't able to get back to him. Guys, this was meant to be exciting. Yes, we didn't get the the battle at the end that we're all hoping for. But do we need to give Ferrari
0: finally some credit for what they did? Yeah, we do. And I actually found it quite exciting. This was the highlight of the race for me in those closing laps. Obviously, Perez being tricked into a, a two-stop race. But what I thought was really interesting is that when Ferrari starts, to kind of, you know, look like they're heading that way themselves, could they have brought Max in to cover off the Ferrari? Would that have worked? I'm just kind of spitballing here. But by taking the car that is behind into the pits, he had more work to do to then get back there. So it wasn't as clever as it could have been from Red Bull's perspective. But yeah, it was uh, quite gripping to see whether or not he would manage to catch Leclerc back up.
2: Similarly, on that point, if Red Bull really, really wanted this one too, could, I mean, obviously it never would have happened as we've seen last week, but could Max have done a a bit of a Lewis in 2016 and backed uh, Charles up into, uh,
0: into Perez and helped him get that second place? See, their rationing for that when they were talking to Perez on the radio was that actually it would have aided Leclerc's defense because it would have given him DRS. And bear in mind, this is a very different track now than it was in 2016. From that, you know, obviously, turn nine is, you know, that whole section is much more easy to overtake. Um, one thing they could have done, and obviously they're never going to do this, is early in the race, which Verstappen and Perez, Yeah, you might have had to give Perez the win. But it just kind of gave me the impression that ultimately Perez cared more about P2 than Red Bull did. See, I wondered the same
1: thing, Sam. I thought, right, what you do is you swap them round early in the race. Um, it seems like a well a no brainer if that's your objective. However, there is still the fallout going on, and it, it's not gone away over what happened last week. And ultimately, um, it, it wouldn't have mattered now. But Max would be very clear: something did happen during this season. And they're not saying what, it's all staying in-house, but something did happen. And clearly Max, he's not going to give anything away. He was driving his own race. You know, we heard Max egging on Perez saying, tell him, full send it, your tyres will be fine. But he's not out there to help him. and Nothing seems to have changed there, does it, Abby?
3: No, it doesn't. And when Sky were talking to Lewis and Max about last year on their coverage of Abu Dhabi 2021, they showed a clip of... Perez defending for Max to get ahead and get the win. And Max said, Checo is a legend. And then I think it was Crofty. And he asked Max and was like, so do you owe Perez an apology then for last week? Because you couldn't even help him that one time. And Max was like, well, no, I don't owe him an apology. I've said my reasons why. I'm not going to change my mind. But it did feel like, I feel like Brazil was a tipping point for Red Bull where they're all a bit... All over the place now Especially like in the race I think Perez said over the radio Max is holding him up So for me the logical point then Would have been to swap them round And yes Max would have lost out on another whim But he's already got the drivers championship Red Bull already have the constructors They've never got a 1-2 in the drivers So surely Whilst Max races for himself As a team You'd want to help your second driver Get P2
2: if there were ever any doubt that it was the Max Verstappen racing team, we've seen that over the last week. I mean, the, the, we haven't discussed the statement. The statement came out after the news show of what <laughs> was just blatantly, fragrantly a lie uh, that they only told him at the last corner when there's just <laughs> clear evidence that yeah. they told him earlier in the lap. Yeah. And then which Max immediately in the press conference contradicted. Did you say fragrantly a lie? It's a fragrant lie. Yes, it's a very. It's very. It really smells of a of bull.
0: What was the word that Horner made up that everyone started using? It was like a uh, Deflammatory. Deflammatory. Yeah, that's, that's, that's your deflammatory.
1: Yeah, fragrant lie. I like it. What was it yeah. So, I mean, that that was an important time and Perez obviously didn't get Leclerc. Um, Leclerc was clearly driving absolutely fantastically today, especially on those tyres, which were
0: very, very at hold. I mean, the odds were against Leclerc really, weren't they? Oh, they absolutely were. And I think it it was such a mature, mature? (laughs) That's my new word. Mature (laughs) and assured drive. Um, It was such a mature and assured drive from Leclerc. He didn't get um, drawn into strategy calls and changes that Red Bull were making he just kind of you know we're just gonna we're gonna focus on this we're just gonna keep going and ultimately with the help of the team they didn't get suckered into a an alternate strategy at any point so yeah very well played by Leclerc and the Ferrari team but and it's it's coming a little earlier this week than than planned but talking about switching Verstappen and Perez the only reason I can possibly think that you wouldn't is if you were going after the win percentage record. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> he sat, he sat. I told James I would find a way to get in there. Um, and he even if he'd won, uh, even winning this race, uh, he will not uh, surpass Schumacher. Um, that was already you know said and done. But actually, he is in fact, win percentage-wise, lower than Vettel in 2013. Vettel got 68.4% of wins. This year, with that 15th win, Verstappen got 68.2%. That's madness. If you think 15 wins in a season, right? It's just crazy. Yeah, it's it's mental. So 15 in a season, absolutely fantastic. But yeah, he could have lost that win and it wouldn't have really hurt hurt his season uh, as such. But it was the first time he's won on a circuit three years in a row. Um, And the final sort of story from this race was uh, the battle for
1: sixth in the championship with Vettel chasing down Daniel Ricciardo. This was potentially quite exciting, but it didn't make it work in the end. It was just, we needed a few more
0: laps, didn't we? Sounds familiar. (laughs) Yes, a little bit. I I think what's fascinating about the uh, battle for sixth in the Constructors' Championship was that Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo have had such juxtaposing seasons Alfa Romeo was was so strong in the early stages. And if you told us five races in, oh yeah, by the way, they're gonna finish on equal points, you'd be like, well, how? Like, what on earth could possibly lead to that happening? So that has been a real interesting development throughout the year. Um, and I'm kind of glad that Aston Martin didn't quite um seal it in the end. I think it was Bottas's fifth place. At Imola, that was the difference maker there as the best result
3: with the final battle with Vettel and Ricardo. I feel like Hamilton's retirement came into play because it allowed Vettel to get into the top ten. So whilst I was very sad to see Hamilton retire. It was bittersweet because it meant that Vettel got a point, but it was great to see Ricardo and Vettel battle till the very end. It was a shame that Vettel couldn't get past Ricardo, but I'm glad that he got at least one point in his final race.
2: Well, that was actually a battle for 11th in the drivers title uh, in the drivers standings as well because uh it ended up with Daniel on 37 and Seb on 37 so that was a really exciting battle for 11th in the standings in the can, final corner
0: I can sense the sarcasm there <laughs> <laughs> hey look if drivers are battling for 11th in the, in the standings there's absolutely no way that Verstappen doesn't care about you know the number of wins he gets in the season well, that sort of takes us to the end, doesn't it?
1: Um The final race results you had, Max Verstappen winning his 15th race of the season. I mean, I, I, it's just incredible um what, what he's done this year. It really is. And it's a shame because it sort of takes away the excitement of the sport from someone being so dominant. Uh, second, we had Charles de Clare. He managed to secure it in the end. Sergio Perez finishing in third. Carlos Sainz, fourth. Russell, fifth. Norris, sixth on in seventh stroll in eighth Ricardo ninth and Sebastian Vettel finishing in the points in 10th and just to recap on our DNFs it was Fernando Alonso Nicholas Latifi and Lewis Hamilton so it was Kevin Magnussen who finished last on track okay so let's move on to our drivers of the day Abby's gonna pick George Russell or Nicholas Latifi who's
3: it going to be today Abby Sebastian Vettel, because while well, it's probably a bit cliche considering he's retiring and it's his final race, and whilst his strategy wasn't the best and didn't quite work in the way that he or Aston wanted, he did have some battles with Ocon and Ricardo at the end. He did an excellent drive and over the weekend his qualifying pace was also really good. So mine's Vettel.
0: I'm not sure how many people are going to disagree with you, Abby. Um Sam? Uh, I can tell you exactly 44% of people are going to disagree with you uh, because Sebastian Vettel got 56% of the votes for driver of the day, um, which is huge when you consider the fact that I think last weekend Lewis got 17%. Um, yeah. So yeah, Abby, don't worry, I don't think it's cliche. You're, you're in the majority <laughs> here. Um, so you're all good. But I, I want to know what the other 44% were thinking. Yes, yes. Sam, who who is your driver of the day? I mean, I think I'm going to have to change the rules here this time, aren't I? Maybe a little bit. I mean, Charles Leclerc, for me, Um, he had a a pretty solid weekend, but on the day, he just did everything that he needed to do. Ferrari also did everything they needed to do. Um, And it is the difference between P2 and P3 in the championship for him. And James?
2: Oh yeah, those are my two gone. Uh, so yeah, me too. I'm now looking down the order. <laughs> well, I mean, a, a shout. I mean, obviously Max just sailed away at the front. You can't really argue that. Uh, but shout out to Lewis for taking what was seemingly at least a partially broken car and hanging on to fourth for. Until the, the car fully gave out on him.
1: Okay, I'm gonna give it to Lando Norris. Very quiet, very quiet race. Uh we didn't see much of him. But a P six, another P six. It was um it was a good result. And you've got to just look at what he's driving and how your teammate's performing. So he's he's done an incredible job this year. Um maybe Ricardo hasn't done as well as he would have wanted to. Maybe that's where the gap is, but it's gonna be Lando Norris for me. Now for the final time this year. It is time for the Drivers and Constructors standings, if you don't already know them. Abby, would you like to run us through the Drivers' Championship results for 2022?
3: Yes, so obviously Max is number one on 454 points, quite away in the lead. Leclerc secured P2 two with 308 points, only three points ahead of Perez. Russell is in fourth, ahead of Science in fifth, who is only six points ahead of Hamilton in sixth. Lando Norris is in seventh. Ocon is in eighth, ahead of Alonso in ninth. And Valtteri Bottas rounds out the top 10 on 49 points.
1: And the Constructors' Championship results. James, would you like to run us through? sure
2: thing uh yep yeah, 759 points eventually for red bull uh over 200 points 205 ahead of ferrari in second who did hold off mercedes ultimately it got Too close for comfort considering where they started the season, but they did hang on by about 40 points. And then we've got Alpine, who also hung on from McLaren, 14 points ahead of them. As we know, Alpha and Astin tied on 55, with Alpha getting the benefit there. And then Haas held off Alpha Tauri for eights, and Williams got that wooden spoon.
1: So, yeah, what we will do, guys, is we will do a full review of the season. There's not enough time for it now, funnily enough. But yes, we will do some special episodes on the 2022 season as a whole. We'll deep dive on the drivers, some of the races and the team's performance throughout the year. But any last mentions, guys, before we sign off for today?
0: Thank you for being the host. It's been a, a lovely season. Uh, with the most. Yes, hostess or host with, yeah. Host with the most. <laughs> that, Thank that, you. That, that, that broke my brain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the host with the most. You're not the hostess with the most, you're the host with the most.
1: It has been a long season, hasn't it, guys? I mean, we've, we've trundled through these reviews. I think I went on my honeymoon earlier in the year. We had cover. Um, then other things has happened. Abby, you've hosted one. Sam, you've hosted one. James, you've hosted one. It's not just all me, guys. So thank you to you guys too. No. We'll be back next week with part one of our season review, where we are going to deep dive into everything, like I said. Um, and until then... You will have something coming out on Wednesday, won't you, James? Yep.
2: Uh, We will be back with whatever post-season news appears over the next couple of days. Uh, So, yeah, make sure to tune in for that.
1: So that is the final race review of the season. Of course, we want to thank you all for listening, getting involved with the show, downloading it, and listening to us, more importantly, waffle on every week and play silly games. Uh, Sam, have you enjoyed our race reviews throughout
0: throughout the year? I, I really have. Um, I feel like I enjoyed them uh, more than the people listening to me might, uh, which I might need to kind of address next year. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for uh, for going on this journey uh, with me, you three. <laughs> James? Uh, yeah, look forward to next year. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I've also enjoyed the journey. Thank you, Sam. Um, yeah, no, very much the, the quizzes. A really big fan of the quizzes okay well maybe we can keep the quizzes going throughout the off
1: season if we have run out of things to talk about aren't we i'll have to slow down the amount of questions um but abby have you enjoyed your race reviews of 2020
3: yes i have i've definitely enjoyed them and i look forward to doing 24 next year
1: i don't <laughs> It's uh, yes. What what the listeners don't see is the time and effort spent editing these shows um, to get them into a, a a package that can be released uh, and listened to by all. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights
3: out and away we, away go. we go.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.